0: Amen, 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 amen. Of course, today, I told you last week, um, after Pastor Larry wrecked the place last week preaching, um, I told you that we were going to take a break from the Ephesians series this week uh, to really focus on something very, very important. And and as we dive into this very, very important thing that we have to point to, it reminds me of what we're going to talk about today, of, 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 of me and my son putting together his Lego stuff, my oldest. You know, he, he, he got a Star Wars Lego thing, thingy, right? A ship. And man, that thing has to have 10,000 pieces to it. I mean, I mean little minute, little small little pieces that you gotta connect to this, connect to that, connect to this. And we take all of this time to build those pieces together and build that, spend all of that time putting it together. And, man, and then you got the little figure that you put into it that got the little funny head with the Lego thing on the top of it. You know what I'm saying? And then you bend his two legs because you can't bend them like that. So you got to bend both of them together. And he got arms like this. You know what I'm saying? And so <laughs> some of y'all, I don't pass y'all by, but some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And I, and, I put him, and I put him in the little cockpit, and my son go around the house. You know, my son is rough. He's all boy. You know, both of them. And so it just falls apart very easily. And so he's going be, and then we got to work together to take it all apart and put it back together. Over. And some of y'all that got toddlers, get ready. Amen. You know what I'm saying? Uh, take it apart, put it back together. Take it apart and put it back together. And one of the things that I saw <coughs> is, is, is I saw that something that took so much time to build can be destroyed in a moment. I, 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 I couldn't believe that something so complex and taking that much time, you think it would hold together for a very, very long time. But that's what Christian leadership is like. Christian leadership credibility takes time to build. It takes time to develop. It takes time to envelop. It takes time to become beefy, yet the fragility of it can be destroyed in a moment. And so as we dive into this passage today um, in First Timothy chapter three, verses eight through 13, we're going to be talking about deacons. And in talking about deacons, it's very important for us to understand where we are as a ministry. I'm going to read this, and then we'll talk a little bit about where we are, why this is so important to Epiphany Fellowship and to any local community and then we'll and then we'll, we'll we'll begin walking through the text. Y'all with me still? All right. So, 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 8 through 13. Like the old preacher said it reads thusly. I like that. Thusly. I like that. Adverb, right? King James adverb. All right. Verse 8. Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. (laughs) They must hold to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, and let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blamelessly. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful, in all things, let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in their in in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. <coughs> this is this simply titled today, deacons. That's all we're gonna title it, deacons. <coughs> This is, this is a, um, a, a very, very important thing that we're embarking on because many of you already know that Epiphany Fellowship is a four-and-a-half-year-old ministry, a four-and-a-half-year-old church. Now, a, a, as we develop as a church, one of the, if you remember not too long ago, I, talked, I, I preached a message on Romans 16, 25 through 27, and I talked about gospel stability. We look at also Acts chapter 14, stay with me, uh, verses 21 through 25. As we look through that, one of the most important things to the apostles was that the church had stability. The church having stability meaning not not some self-centered stability that's centered on the ability of human beings apart from the gospel. We're talking about the gospel so saturating the lives of the people there that God raises up and puts those things in place that makes a church a church. That means if someone calls something a church, it has to have the DNA of that which makes it a church. It has to have the DNA and structure. So if if people say, I don't like organized religion, well, that's like the the church is organic and organized. So um, anything that's not organized is not of God because God is a God of what? Order. So if God is a God of order, and Paul says to Titus, in Titus 1-5, set in order that which remains, order isn't a bad thing, order just should, uh, order or administration or structure just should not remove what the church exists for, it's supposed to push what the church exists for forward. So there's several things that makes a church a church. What makes a church a church is gospel preaching. If the gospel ain't preached ever, it's something else. Amen. If if there are, there is, nobody's getting baptized. They don't believe in baptism of any kind. It's not a church. Okay? If there's, if if the believers aren't actively involved in disciple making and evangelism on some level, it's not a church. If it doesn't do church discipline, it's not a church. If it doesn't have pastors, not a church, if people don't give, not a church, if if we're not doing mission, not a church, but also if we don't have deacons, so what we're saying is, now you're saying, well, you're just saying something's not a church, what if they don't have, well, that means that we need to work on that, but this is one of the last two things that we're setting in order, what remains, is first off self-supporting. So right now we're at 62% internal support from you guys. We're at 38% self, I mean, support from the outside. Our desire is to be 100% self-supported from the inside by the ministry paying its own bills and helping other ministries start up. Amen. Now, but even though we're not at full support, we still believe that we're supposed to give out of what we don't have because God blesses a cheerful giver. So in light of that, we give even now, even though we're not full support, out of the 62% to help missions to be done and church planting to be done. But the other last thing, that's why we're planting Epiphany Camden. That's why we help with the blueprint. And that's why we're going to help with scores of other ministries to be started, which you'll hear about during the State of the Church Address in a few weeks. But then also, um, last thing we got to get going is deacons. Say deacons. Yeah, this, this is one of the things that puts, that's put in place as a very important role in the church. Now, he says, likewise deacons. That's what he says right there. Likewise deacons. This is, this is in the context of an epistle where Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3 says, Timothy, the reason why I left you in Ephesus is, is, is that you may sit jokers down who are teaching strange things. In other words, some, do- some cats are teaching some wild-out doctrines. So what I want you to do is I want you to go there, look them in their grill, and sit them down. Amen. So now we see, now we see that leadership shouldn't be a punk. Leadership should be willing to get up in somebody's grill and tell them when they're wild and, and love them at the same time. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. So Timothy is supposed to do that, but in the midst of telling him to, to denounce the strangeness, he tells them to put in certain things in place. And so what he begins with is he begins with the distinctions between the role of men and women. And this distinction of role was really exaltation, not humiliation. And so so he goes into that, and then he talks about biblical eldership, and he talks about the authoritative office of elder, pastor, overseer, bishop, synonymous terms used differently to express the same office. You still tracking with me? Now he goes to deacons, a non-authoritative office. So this office does not have an an authoritative role like a a board, a deacon board. There's no such thing as that in the Bible. Um, There's there's no deacon board. But I do like some of the stuff on the old church deacon stuff, though. I like the way the deacon used to roll up and and, and start off the jump. Woke up this morning with my mind, my mind. yeah! I love it. I like that. The deacon's going to get it rolling. I hear you, Mama Dale. I hear you over there. <laughs> I, I, I like that stuff. Get, get praise and worship started before the worship team get up. You know what I'm saying? And they, they, they the main, if the preacher don't get no amens from nobody. Amen. The deacon's going to say amen. Um... <laughs> um <laughs> And I don't think anything's wrong with that. I, I want us to understand that even though we planted a non-traditional church, we love the traditional church. Amen. Amen. And so, um, so we're not against the traditional church. So if you're here and you feel that way, that is a misnomer and a lie. Amen. So, so but, 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 but what we want to do, though, is we do want to talk about the distinctions between what the role of a deacon is supposed to do based on the Scriptures. Now, the word for deacon is a word that's used throughout the New Testament over and over and over again. Sometimes it's just translated servant (coughs) because it can be used. When Jesus said, let the greatest among you serve, the word that's used there is deacon. Um, So so, so you'll see several times throughout the New Testament that the word translated as servant is the non-office term to just point to what every Christian should do in relation to serving one another. However, there are several particular times in the New Testament, like Philippians 1.1, um, we'll talk about it in a second, Romans chapter 16, verse 1. Um, and we'll see in this passage where the, where the role of deacon takes on an office format. And, and, and so what we want to do here is we want to walk through, work through, and lay this out so that God could grace us to continue to walk in what it means to be established as a local community. Now, here in this passage, <coughs> deacon or diaconia means one who gets something done. Now, 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 know why I like that one who gets something done? Because, because pontification can seem perfect, but it's frustrating without practice. See, it's one thing to complain about how challenging the church can be, but it's one thing to say, I'm called to roll up my sleeves and to help where there are gaps in the ministry to help God get the work that he's called the church to get done done. Deacons' main role is to make stuff happen. They're they're, they're called lead servants. That's the the nuancing of it, lead servants. Now, we understand uh, lead servant in relation to Romans chapter uh, 6, I mean Romans chapter 12, Uh, where where the gift of leadership is given, and we understand it based on the gospel, where we, we based on some of our partners, have have coined a, a, a terminology that points to a quick definition of leadership. Leadership is the willingness to take the initiative for the benefit of others. Leadership is the ability and willingness to take the initiative for the benefit of others. That means you're not a complainer, you, 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 you say I am just going to get in the game and get to work. And, and, and then what happens is it's based on that servant leadership, there's a conglomerate of others who are mobilized and who become passionate about seeing service happen in the local community. So when we look at this idea of the deacon, it's one who gets something done, um, and it also it means it means to assist one entrusted to serve the needs of other believers. One's entrusted with serving the needs of serving other believers. So biblically, deaconing is not characterized by power and prominence, but by service to others. In in, uh, uh, in, in Jesus's life, the deacon. Uh, was a servant pattern of life. The Christian diaconate or deacon thus contrasts sharply with the normal understanding of service, but points to a biblical Christ-centered understanding of service. So the diaconate, on the other hand, is developed from a strong personal historic example of Jesus Christ, the servant who compassionately met concrete human needs. So that's what this group of people, by God's grace, exists for. So now we go into some of the the layouts of what these characteristics are. Notice I call them characteristics and not qualifications. There's a difference. See, qualifications is something you're trained from scratch to do. Characteristics is that what you have within you that a title is added to what you're already being and doing. See, here at Epiphany and, and, and many other churches, um, we don't appoint people to do something they're not already doing. In, in, other, in other words, if you appoint someone to do something they're not doing, you're making them do something. But if it's a characteristic, it's a part of their natural DNA, and so the title just makes public what their heart has already been practicing. Okay? So that's why somebody when somebody says, I'm called to ministry, I'm like, okay, which one? Then they said, well, I don't know yet. I said, that's cool, that's cool. But I, I think I, I, I had one guy one time say, Pastor, I need to be preaching, you know. I was like, what'd you say? He said, I, I, need, I need, you know, I kind of need to be up on a stick every now and then. I said, can you go through covenant community first? He said, well, okay. I said, have you ever made a disciple? He, he's, oh, so you want to preach to people to make something you've never made. So in other words, our goal is not to just be some cats up a stick talking about that thing, you know what I'm saying? But to biblically be able to walk in what we're, oh, help me somebody. So anyway, because <laughs> it's easy to get all like this and have your stuff right and, and, and do all this and, you know, and, you know you, that's performance. We want to see practice. So anyway, that's performance. Anybody can perform. But the Bible's going to talk about this in this section, so I'm getting ahead of myself. Dignified is the first pervading kind of attribute of the deacon, right? <coughs> it, it, it's, the, it's dignified. I like this term. It's a term that's utilized in Titus chapter 2 of godly older women and godly older men. Um, 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 it, it's, it's a word that's used of the elder also. <coughs> dignified means in its essence to evoke special respect from people that are around you. To evoke special respect from people around you. You ever been around somebody that that you felt uncomfortable wilding out around? That their very presence made you tone down how ungodly you really are? You know what I'm saying? You you ever been around a person like that? See, that's a person, I can't act like that around them. We ain't talking about you know, you know what I mean? You know, I'm not talking about, ah, you know, wilding. I'm just talking about there's certain things that the spirit of God on their life kind of orates, if you will, from them in a way that tones down stupidity just by virtue that they're there. (laughs) And they ain't said nothing. Oh, i mean, to see if I can make it plain. Child wilding out, black mama in the background. Black mama, she said, hold on. and do like that, then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, um, you know, the child's <laughs> and, and And the very look of mama just transforms the activity of the child. That's what Dignified has the sense of. Dignified has the sense that you emanate the need to be respected. There's a seriousness about you. Um, You're worthy of honor and nobility. You're not some type of buffoon. In other words, it means to be spiritually doggone mature. Spiritual mature, spiritually mature, uh, growing progressively in the faith in a way that emanates the beauty of Christ in your life that makes other people want to walk with Jesus. That's a good person to be around, that when you get it from around him, you don't feel just wounded up, but you feel like you need to pray because there's something missing in your practice in Jesus Christ that you need God to engraft in your soul. But then the next thing it says is not double tongue. I like that. It means insincere, hypocritical, a spiritual actor. Speaking with a two-forked tongue. Deceitful, de Yeah, I said it. (laughs) Look it up, though. Um, But this is my favorite one, because this off the block right here. And it was in the lexicon, two-faced. We used to call somebody that acted funny back on the block. We used to call them a two-fader. That's what we used to call them. Now, two-faced means you you say one thing over here, and then when you get over here, you're saying two different things. And, And then we get around, you say, stuff ain't adding up. Like, it's not adding up. So did you say this, or did you say, well, you, when you start doing the well, that means you two-faced. See, if you ain't two-faced, I said it, Clacka clack a tack See, that's what a, see, listen, a person that's clear, in other words, their tongue is clear, and they don't mix-max language. They, they zoom, they zoom, they, they're, they're willing to let their yes be yes, and their no be no. They don't vacillate between two opinions, and they're not a people pleaser, it points to. They, they don't live their lives in a way in fear of what people are going to think of them as they walk with Jesus. Wow. That, that, this, this, these are some rich qualities. But I think these qualities for men and women can be more, can be more for not just the deacon role, but for any Christian. <laughs> but these things are supposed to be superlative in those who take on the role of deacon. Then it says, I, I, I like this next section. It got some good stuff in it. it. Says, it says not addicted to much wine. I like that. That's funny. The Bible just makes funny statements. It's like, like I was like Paul, like help me, dog. Like, like what you mean? Can they be addicted? Like it's kind of like Paul. What you saying? You know. But but what he's saying is, is they're not drunkards. He says now they're not abstentionists. They can they can drink moderately. But if they, you know, you know everybody's around enjoying themselves and. And then, all of a sudden, they say, whee! <laughs> Man. <laughs> Cheers, I want to give another, <laughs> you know, just one of them. You know there's one of them, you know. They, they're the one that say, this is good, but I need to slow down. So, 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 so not addicted to wine because that's a character issue. That's a character issue. If you're, if you're buzzing out and drunk all up, you know what I'm saying? That's a character, that's a character, that's a character issue. And I know we have moderate drinkers here. If you are not, a, if you start wilding, like clicky, kicky, clicky, kicky, clicky, kicky, multiply, and then you, you buzz, you see, can't see, ah, help us, God. But then it says, I like this next section, because it says, not greedy for dishonest gain. See, y'all gotta understand the background of this. See, deacons probably would've helped with the collection of the money. (coughs) So that that means deacons, when they get in the back, you know, on the second offering, you know what I'm saying, skim, skim about 450 for your man, you know what I'm saying? And then they pocket and stuff all up, you know what I'm saying? See, that's wildin'. Again, it's a person that's, in other words, they have such integrity, it points to integrity. These are characteristics, character, character. Leadership and, and servitude is driven by character, not gifts. Give me a person with character any day. I, you can develop someone in their gift, but without character and no desire for character. And no, it, it's, it's, it's hard to work with a gifted person with no character. Because they'll push your, their gift in your face. Because, because, listen, gifted folk think you need them. So I deal with my mess so I won't have to grow. But see, Paul said, I ain't scared of none of you. I want you to have character that complements the gift. Uh. <laughs> and so, and, so, and so, he, so he says, not greedy for dishonest gain, and I don't know prosperity crap. Amen. It's about the. You know what I'm saying? If, you know, going into all of the wildness of that. I won't have to get into all of that. We talked enough about it. All right. But then he goes down and he says, they must, this is beautiful right here. It says, they must hold fast. They must hold the mystery (coughs) of the faith with a clear conscience. This, this is unbelievable. Um, 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 hold means to have the capacity to carry something. <laughs> I love that. Now, the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, it says, in later times, they will not endure sound doctrine, but they will, they will, wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires, not holding to the truth. So, what, what happens here is, he's saying they hold fast. In other words, life circumstances and like all of the doctrines that we believe we're not 100% clear on all of them but we believe what we believe by faith we don't know the, the uh, we don't know uh, all of the intricacies of the hypostatic union we don't know all of the intricacies of the trinity we don't know all of the intricacies of grace through faith in Christ, but we believe it by faith and God gives us clarity because we see it a glass dimly. We know in part, but when Jesus Christ comes back, we will know just as we've been fully known. However, in the meantime, we walk by faith in the gaps of our lack of understanding by growing in our understanding over time by holding fast. Now, what do, we, what do they hold fast to? The mystery, mysterion. Now, you know we're in section three of Ephesians. And in section three of Ephesians, we're working through the mystery of the gospel, the mystery of the gospel being concealed, but then being revealed. Okay, and so and so and so what they hold fast to is the gospel. They, they, they hold fast to the beauty. Uh, they, they don't, they're, not, they're not on the verge of being shipwrecked in their faith. They're not on the verge of being uh, commit apostasy. They're not dealing with eternal security issues. They're not living their life to gain from God. They live their life because they've already gained from God. So they hold fast to the mystery, recognizing that they were justified by Christ. They're being sanctified by Christ, and they'll be glorified by Christ. But then he says, hold fast to the faith. Say, the faith. faith. Yeah, throughout the pastoral epistles, which is 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, those are what we would dub the pastoral epistles. These epistles um, are are, are very clear on helping us really develop organizational structure for the church and what should be put in place in the church. And, and, And so here when he talks about the faith, Paul uses several different idiomatic expressions throughout those three epistles to describe a body of things that all Christians should hold to in order to authenticate the fruit of their Christianity. Y'all striking with me, right? So it's the faith or the truth or the healthy doctrine or the trustworthy statement. You'll hear him say those four things throughout the entirety. The truth, the faith, uh, 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 the healthy teaching or the healthy doctrine, and uh, you'll hear him say trustworthy statement. He'll say those things. Now, what he's saying those to is to point to a body of things that the apostles or apostolic delegates would teach new Christians as soon as they became believers. When when, When someone got saved, when they went to a particular section of the world to engage people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, cats came to Jesus, was shook by the glory of Christ, and then began to gather with the saints. When they began to gather with the saints, They continued to repeat the gospel to them, but then taught the fundamental doctrines that Christians were to believe to stabilize them in their Christian faith. And so what they would do, that's why you see in uh, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 through 13, he says, y'all should have been teachers by now. He says, but now you need me to teach you again the elementary principles of Christ. So what he's saying is, is that this is just a sidebar, that the Christian community He's not saying everybody should be teaching a Sunday school class. What he's saying is, is everybody should be conferring through making disciples. That means every Christian should be making disciples. So what happened is, is they, they were getting all lazy, chilling, and, and, and falling back from that. And so Paul, the, the writer of Hebrews, says that now I need to start all over, and he walks through all of those different things. Now when it says holding fast to the mystery of the faith, right, it's talking about holding to. salvation by grace through faith alone, and repentance from dead works. Um, Belief that Christ actually died on a cross as a human, not some mystery being, but died on the cross. Um, He's fully God. He's fully man. The the, the, the power of the scriptures, um, the the truth about the resurrection, all of the different things that make Christianity Christianity, the return of Christ. And so he's calling, he's saying, saying the, 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 the deacon must be doctrinally sound sound in doctrine and not wavering in sound doctrine okay so holding fast to the mystery of the faith y'all still tracking with me all right and so he says with a clear conscience in other words not 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 wigging out about the doctrine but allowing that they not 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 having any issues with the truths of the Christian faith now look at what he says next he says And let them also be tested first. I like that. (laughs) You know, one of the things that's very, very important is trust. Trust is priceless. And and, 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 and the thing about trust, one of the things about leadership is easy to exalt, but it's very difficult to remove. And, And so he says, let them first be tested in order in uh, order that they will practically be the people that they're supposed to be in that particular role, that they walk in That's why you know right here that it's based on characteristics and their qualifications, because the test is pre-done to, b- before they even call that, or in a deaconing process. They didn't have deaconing processes and the elder processes in the Bible. Um, they appointed people based on those who were catching it faster, and God was uh, naturally exalting to the top. It's just the way he does it, right? When we say the top, we're not talking about above God's people, which we'll explain in a second. So let them first be tested. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. So great. So we see now that that, that we see some of these qualifications. Now we see something here that that a lot of Christians kind of go back and forth on. And it it goes into the next section. It says their wives, now, the word, now, their wives, actually, there is not in the original. The only thing there is gune. Say gune. Gune is the Greek word for woman or wife. Okay? Now, Christians kind of part on this in multiple ways. one of the things that we don't do is we don't, I, I, Christians who believe differently about this um, should treat this as not merely a secondary doctrine, but a tertiary doctrine or a fourthiary or fifthiary doctrine. That means, like, if Christians differ about the issue of this being three things, whether it's the wives of deacons, whether it's just uh, who assist deacons in their role as deacons, or, number two, whether they're just women in general who can assist deacons but be the role but not have the title. It's a little weird to me. Um, But different Christians believe it. Or the third view, which we would say, is that a woman can hold the role of deacon. And um, and Gune here, we believe, points to that reality of the fact that it's okay for a woman to hold the role of deacon. Why? Because we don't see um, the diaconate as an authoritative office role in the church. Therefore, it's a service-based role. So when you go over, and you'll see over in Romans, turn over to Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. Verses 1 and 2. He says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at that place. <laughs> I'm just not going to mess up like I did the first gathering. That you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints <laughs> and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. The word there for servant, even in your margin, you'll see that it says it's actually the word deacon. When it went, the, the word deacon here is is in the masculine form. Now, which that will point you to, um, it, it didn't use a verbal form, or we could kind of go back and forth about it, but it's actually in the masculine form, letting you know that it's pointing to office, not merely a role, to, or just a general, just a general role of just serving. Just general serving that all Christians should have, right? So here it's saying, really it's saying, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon at the church of Caesarea. And and, and what's interesting, what's interesting here is it says that you may welcome her in a way worthy of the saints. And so uh, when it points to her being a servant of the church, um, no one is usually called a servant of the entire church. Like why would it say servant of the church, Right? Now, what's important about this is, is her role was so important that Paul, Paul sent a hootie hoo out to the Roman church so that the Roman church would respond to her in whatever way that she needed to help. We don't know what specifically that help looked like, but that's what it was. And somebody, somebody would say, well, why isn't the word deaconess used there? Well, the word for deaconess in Koine Greek wasn't developed until after the, the canon of the Bible was closed. So 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 so, what does this say about us as a ministry? Let, let's say what we're not. I, I, I want to talk about this real briefly about our understanding of the role of women. One, one of the things I, I, I want to, to to pre, uh 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 uh, want to want to communicate with this is that anybody, whether male or female, to desire something outside of your calling that you think is exaltation is actually a demotion in God's eyes. Because that's, that means that you're trying to live beyond what God has called you to live beyond. So in other words, if God called you to a particular place, but you think another role is sexier, because we do think a lot of places and roles in life are a little more sexier than the one we got. That's why we're covetous and need to repent daily. Amen. And so what happens is, is we, because we, we don't recognize our identity in Christ, we try to create another identity to make us feel better. Because God is not enough for us at times. However... There are three kind of ways to interpret what we would say the role of our sisters, our sisters, our our, our glorious sisters in the body of Christ. Number one is hierarchical. Second is egalitarian. And third is complementarian. Let me read the hierarchical one as it relates to women and men. It says, women and men are created. This is out of um, Venice Church. He says, women and men are created to operate in different spheres of ministry within the church. Women are not permitted to be an elder or deacon, serve communion, pray, lead worship, speak in the church at all until the gathering is over. Women should focus on building ministries for other women and children. Now, we would struggle with that just a teeny tiny little bit, right? We would struggle with that. We would say that that's not a biblical understanding Uh, This is kind of like segregation, which we don't believe in segregation, okay? Now we go to the egalitarian view. Men and women are patrons together in every area of ministry. All ministries and offices are open to men and women. Gender is not a relevant distinction for excluding any person from any office in the church. We would say that, that we would disagree with that. Now, we would call the hierarchical and the egalitarian folks, we would call them brothers and sisters in Christ, we would love them. We wouldn't get into no tasseling and arguing with them about it, but we would say we differ on this particular thing. But you're free to believe on it, and this doesn't stop your Christianity or make you not a Christian. Amen, somebody. Amen, somebody. Amen, somebody. Okay? So so those are not the two kind of deals, even though we take parts of those. And the one hierarchical would stand on is they would merely stand on a uh, first Timothy chapter two, which says, I would I would say that a woman not teacher exercise authority over a man, I would we would say amen, but we would talk about what that looks like practically in the local church. Egalitarianism would use Galatians where it says, I made them both male and female, uh, 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 um, he, uh, G- Greek, uh, J- Jew, and Greek, there's no distinction between them. When that's talking about salvation, not function in roles in the local church. So we're equal in relation to justification, but practically the practically executing these things, there are particular distinctions in it, right? But then we believe, we, now this is where we land, the complementarian view. where we would say, a men and women are partners in every area of ministry together. Women and men are encouraged and equipped to fulfill all ministries and offices if, uh, of the church with the singular exception of the office of pastor, okay? Which the scriptures require to be a male-only office. So again, that's 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 what we would stand as a ministry on that particular issue. But we would say that, we're, but we're not we're not ogres in this sense. Like ah, get away, woman. Like we're not those type of cats, right? That that's not what we are. Um, however, h- however, we believe that for women to seek out a role that God we believe has not appointed her to would be to neglect of a, a, a myriad of places of freedom where it's it would be a deficiency in the church and in the home and in many places if that role was taken and and, and removed from the way we would talk about it from the scriptures which would go into an entirely different message. Now, (laughs) but it says, what does it say about women? It says, likewise women, we would say women likewise must be dignified. Again, worthy of evoking respect. In other words, guys don't just try to holler at them crazy. You know what I'm saying? They don't just talk crazy to them. There should be something oozing from you that say, you can't talk to me a certain way. And you're not. How about that? You know what I'm saying? There's a a, a aura, I'm gonna be a little longer today. Uh, There's a aura about you that shuns foolishness. And and like my grandmama used to say, devilment. She made up a word, devilment, right? Not doublement, devilment. She made that up, right? Institutionalized devilization, she would call it, right? A seriousness, right? But then, then, then what's interesting, it's a synonymous term but used differently here. The deacons, male deacons, are called to be um, uh, uh, um, uh, not uh, uh, a double tongue, but it uses a tongue, a word, uh, 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 to, to describe the nature of women. It says they should not be slanderers. Now, the word here for slander is an interesting word. It's, Diabolas, ha, 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 hey, hey, about to make me say something, amen, but um, diabolas is the word we get our word diabolical from, Latinos get the word, uh, the, the word uh, diablo from, the word literally means adversary, it means to, to slander, what does slander mean? To create information about someone and spread it as if it's true in order to divide God's people from one another. In other words, it says women who take on this role of deacon should not be some, some mouths and always in the mess. In other words, when something bad about somebody comes up, they, they absorb it. They don't investigate. They just start spreading it. So they hear something about somebody and then they just go, wakata, wakata, wakata. and then all of a sudden, everybody in the community believes something about someone that's not even true, it's not even been, been investigated, and nobody's even helped the person, even if it's true, it's slander. So, so it's a very, very important way because, because I'm telling you, a mouth can destroy ministry. Let me, let me say it again. A mouth running your mouth can destroy the work of God that's why when you look at the Bible and it talks about divisiveness it has very harsh terms that point to it then it goes down and it says being sober-minded I like this it literally means to be clear-headed indicating complete clarity of mind it resulting in good judgment in other words the, the the female deacon has good judgment she's not driven by her emotions the word means in other words I just feel like this today you know it's, you know, I'm, I, and I, y'all just gonna have to excuse me. Like, see, now you're because you, you're saying, excuse me, but I'm gonna be fleshly without any accountability. That's what you're saying. So the deacon say, you know, I am wilding. I mean, I'm feeling a little funny, but praise be to God. Um, it's about my time of the, you know what, but you know, I'm not gonna let that get in the way of how I act. Come on, somebody. You know, come. Mo- Me funny if you want to, but most of y'all use that as an excuse to be a devil. Somebody said, Y'all know I'm that's why you're laughing because you know I'm telling the truth. Some of y'all tell your husband, Well, you know, you know, you ought to have it on the calendar. You know you got to prepare the environment for what I'm about to deal with. <laughs> y'all know I'm telling the truth. The devil is a liar. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. That's why y'all are laughing. Right? <laughs> so even biology doesn't get in the way of her willingness to see clearly. Now, now, see clearly doesn't mean clear your mind. Because that's not Christian. To clear your mind of everything. You, your mind is supposed to be Transformed. So what it means is to to be clear-minded is to be able to see God's truth for what it is and respond rightly to it. Wow. Right? So so be clear-minded. This is a powerful understanding of womanhood in general. This is good biblical femininity. Good biblical femininity. Good stuff. Then it says, faithful in all things. In other words, when struggles happen, there's a consistency in the midst of adversity. There's a willingness to pile through and press through, even though, there's, even though the situation doesn't necessarily demand that happen. Then it goes back <coughs> to male deacons, and it says, let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. Why does it begin to give these different qualifications for male deacons differently than female deacons? Why? That's very important, because no matter what role a man is in the church, every man is supposed to be managing his household well. So the so so there are role distinctions, not equality distinctions. So, see? See, that, see? See that that's what it's supposed to be. So, so, the, so the male deacons, they have just like in Titus chapter 3, m- m- older men and, uh, and older women are supposed to be older disciple makers, but they have two different things that are supposed to mark them. The same way it is here, right? So then it says, man, it says, Mias Andros, he's attached to his wife. He's he's he loves enjoying sexual unity with his wife. That's what this means here. It means he's faithful to her and, and not running amok. With, uh, he's, he's, he's not pornographic. But but he's intoxicated by his wife. One woman man. It means every commentator says it's it's like he be looking at his wife crazy. Like girl. You know what I'm saying? Managing, because it's it's onus on the man, onus on the man to manage the house. He gives good oversight of the financials, even though he might not do the QuickBooks. He might talk about what the QuickBooks should look like. Like my wife is more gifted at the kaka kaka kiki. You know, and so and so I just say, listen, babe, this is the vision for the finances. See, you got to be able to envision the finances and give instructions on that. And then the wife just goes a you see what I'm saying? And then get everything in order. This is what we need to put towards debt. This is what we need to put towards saving. This is we need to And then do that, managing the household well. This is what, how I want my children to be educated on a trajectory. This is how we want them to educate them about Christ. This is where we're going. This is how we're saving. For, this, is a, this is a man that has a trajectory for his family. I wish I had time to just talk about that. Amen. This means he has to be a doggone grown-up. Let me ask a question, I told you I'm gonna be a little, little time today, just excuse me. Um, single brothers, is your life pattern set up for you to take on the responsibility of other people under your roof? Uh, this is just a sidebar, because a woman wants to enter a place of covering. And a manager covers his family. See, see, you, you may not be the best looking brother in the world, because you're not. <laughs> but let her see you on a great financial trajectory. Yeah. And you trying to acquire property. Yeah. Amen. And then then you're able to pay your bills on time and put some little change in the bank, amen. And you've had a job for some time. And and, and you're able to biblically walk with her from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity in her life. And you're responsive to other men who might know more than you. See, when that happens, see you, you may not have the best gear, You might only get your hair cut once a quarter, but I'm just telling you. If you got some stuff in shape, she'd be like, "I don't know, but you know." um, He come and he's serving the ministry. He take his time, and you know, he he say amen to the sermons and everything. And he been he, he went through covenant community. I see commitment on his life, and he's with the brothers. And they pour into him. He pour into them, and he make a decide. Oh man, that girl up! Listen, when you get that dude, you pay, and he, I, man, I like that. And look at his car; it don't always got trash all in it. <laughs> it's McDonald's cheese and fries under the seat. I'm a move. I'm a move. I'm supposed to move. But in other words, managing, managing, the household. Wealth. In other words, what do you emanate? I gotta move. <sighs> you should be looking at women, a man that can, that can raise children in a godly way. If you, if, whatever you marry, that's what your children gonna look like. I wish I had time to talk about it. Whatever, so, so if you're looking at the six pack, that's all you're gonna get out of your children. If you're looking at he got good hair, so I want my kids hair. To, you know how? Tell about he got good hair. What is anyway? <laughs> Help me, Holy Spirit, to stay in the text. All right. <laughs> so managing their households well, managing the, the children own households where they own, not just telling people about theirs, but their own. That your household is developed. But then finally he says, for those who serve well. As deacons, gain a good standing for themselves. That's dignity. Back again. This is beautiful. This is not to cut you up. This is to call you up. Right? The, the, a good standing. Now, it's not talking about you're better before God. It's talking about how you're viewed before men. Because we're as exalted before God as we're going to ever be because we're at God's right hand in Jesus. Right? So it says, and also great confidence in their faith. So what, 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 uh, that, that is in Christ Jesus. What this, what this kind of nuance of points to is the Bible says in 2 uh, Peter chapter 1, verses 4 uh, through 10, it says, add to your faith more excellence, more excellence knowledge, your knowledge self-control, self-control perseverance, perseverance godliness, and your godliness brotherly kindness, and your godly kindness love, and if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless or unfruitful in the true knowledge of him. But if these qualities are not yours, you are nearsighted and blind, having forgotten your former cleansing from your former sins. So what it's saying is, is when a person is not growing spiritually, their confidence in the Christian faith weans. But here it's saying this type of person is, as they grow, their confidence in Jesus is more established. So we talked about the qualifications. We can spend time on that all day, but this is very important to us. So please forgive me for the time. Y'all good though? Yeah. Okay. I, I just I gotta get. The, I don't want to wait till next Sunday because we gotta get back in Ephesians next Sunday. And so in Acts chapter six, it shows us the prototype of the diaconate. It's the prototype. And what this is, <laughs> is this is the church growing. In its understanding of ecclesiology and missiology and Christology. And so now we see that its missiology has been so strong because of its Christology, it demands a more defined ecclesiology. Okay? So when you go here in verse 1 of chapter 6, it says, Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number. I like that. Disciples. Not just church folk. But disciples. That means people that were actually committed to the Christian faith and stayed and were stable and not all over the place. It says a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their wives were being neglected in the daily distribution. And 12, the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples. I love that. And said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. that word is served is the verb, verbal form of deacon. It says, therefore, brothers, pick... It's brothers and sisters, functionally. It says, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And when... And and what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose... Stephen, a man full of, uh, full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and, Philip and Tamon, and all of these other cats. All right. Then it says, these, these they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And look what happened. It says, and the word of God continued to increase. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a, and a great many of priests became obedient to the faith. As, listen. The the, the servitude of these prototype um, uh, deacons was so important. Some people point this to saying that the way deacons are supposed to serve is mercy ministry. I believe it can involve that, but it's way more simple than that. Simple than that. Um, the, The pastoral leadership of the church should only do what only they can do. If someone else can do it, then they shouldn't do it. That's all it means. So what what does that mean? It it means the spreading of the responsibility of care and service to to the entire body as it increases numerically. Therefore, if the local community increases numerically, then the diaconate must increase numerically. So what what does that look like? And that's very important. When we started Epiphany Fellowship, um, I was leading praise and worship. I was doing setup and breakdown. Um, I was (laughs) unlocking the building. Um, counseling, leading men's group, I mean, doing like five billion things. Now, I had one guy, I ain't going to say his name in particular, he, he kind of jammed me up a little bit, and I was helping setting up chairs one day, and he looked at me, he said, Pastor, I need you to stop doing that. I was like, huh? He said, I, can, you, can, you, can, can you let us do this? And you go off and prepare for the sermon, and, and we'll, we'll get all of this ready. We'll get the couches out. We used to have ambiance in the basement. Some of y'all remember that. We used to have lights. And, they say, and they, say, they, say, they say, nah, nah, let us do this, and you zoom in on what you can only do. And that's why we appoint deacons, is deacons are going to be the servant leaders of the community of faith. And we're going to have deacons that work in the church, but work on the church. We'll talk about that when we talk about state of the church address. But what we want to do, and this is very important, is we want to put the onus on you now to help us. We'll appoint them, the pastors, we'll appoint them, but we want you to recommend so what we're going to do, ladies, if you could, you could start doing that for me, we're going to pass out a card to each Covenant Community member. If you would put your hand in the air, your Covenant Community, please, all Covenant Community, hand in the air. Everybody that has their hand in the air needs a card. And what we want you to do is we want you to make an, an exhausted list of those who should be in the role of deacon. Some of you are already functioning in that role and you know that type of thing but what we want to (coughs) do is is we want to listen to you guys and and your recommendations and that look at the list compile a list and then appoint them hopefully by next month or early March there are going to be um, several classes that are going to be held just laying out again the role of deacon laying out a few things but again you don't need to do a year-long deacon training again you're doing what you're already doing that's all the deacon role is Okay, and they're both, based on here, based on our, our view of the scriptures, um, it can be both male and female. So make your recommendations. We want you to write those down before you leave today. Okay, pray. We're going to pray. We want you to write those down before you leave today. On the back table, we're going to have offering baskets there. And, when, and when, uh, what we want you to do is we want you to lay those in the offering basket. We're going to get those, all of those. Uh, it's not ballots and all of that. Like, how many times this person's name come up? is based on whether or not they reflect the character of what we've talked about here and whether or not they've been practicing this in the local community. And then we'll appoint them and keep moving, amen? Amen, is it, so, so, so is everybody clear? So, so, so write those names down before the end of the gathering. Pray, we're gonna pray, write down those, those names and we're gonna put those in. And what's gonna happen is, is as there's, there's more practical service in this way, it'll facilitate our ability. See, remember what it said in verse seven, of Acts. It says, and the word of God continued to increase. It says, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Mission went forth. And so that's our goal. That's our goal in this is to see the mission of God go forth and for care to be um, laid out in multiple, multiple areas of what God has called us to do. Amen. Father, we honor you um, for the opportunity to serve you, to honor you, to bless you, to serve you, to glorify you, and to be with you. You're you're a great God, Lord, and you have different means of grace throughout the local community, and we thank you for these means of grace. We thank you for um, the gospel as the main means of grace. We thank you... um, for pastors. We thank you for congregants. We thank you for worship, uh, teams, and all of these different things. And we thank you for um, also deacons. And so, God, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that this would just be another, um, another sort of flag in the ground of you establishing this ministry as a stable local community to be able to see the beauty and the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ to go out to the nations. May your name be glorified. May your name be honored, and may you guide us in these appointments that we may not lay hands on anyone suddenly, Lord God, but that it will be only those who you have clearly called to be in this role to serve your community for the glory of God in Jesus Christ. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Why don't our men come?